0: The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights, all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning, everybody. U.S. equities close sharply, lower accelerating losses after New York Mayor Bill de Blasio closes public schools amid rising cases, while the country's overall death toll tops a quarter of a million people. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon says now is not the time to act like it's over, despite news from Pfizer and BioNTech that their vaccine deliveries could be ready by Christmas. You
1: know, we had the biggest downturn ever in two months, the biggest upturn ever in three months. Uh, and we're kind of in this phase now. We don't really know what's going to continue to get better or get worse. And
2: Global debt, meanwhile, will hit a record $277 trillion by the end of the year. As the Institute of International Finance warned, debt burdens in emerging markets will be much more onerous.
3: I am very worried about the transition process. And at different points, uh, Donald Trump threatens in different ways. Elizabeth Warren warns of the risks of disrupting the White House transition as Joe Biden says it's hurting efforts to combat the virus, while Obama Foundation co-chair Valerie Jarrett tells
4: CNBC the deadlock must be broken. Every day that goes by that there is this lack of cooperation, this unwillingness to face the reality of the outcome of the election, puts our country at peril. And as President-elect Biden said just yesterday, Americans may die because of this decision. Uh,
0: so, very good morning. Um, we uh, come into the programme this morning with uh, a look at Krupp numbers. This is the big German steel business. Um, we had a report out uh, of Handelsblatt actually coming into this saying they'll take a billion euro charge on the steel business here. So, just as the numbers begin to trickle through, let's actually take a look at uh, what we've got here. Thyssen says fully a net profit Uh, 9.59 billion euro boosted by the proceeds from uh, the elevator sale. So those are the exceptionals. But they do expect a net loss of more than a billion euros for financial year 2020 to 2021. Uh, Financial debt stands at uh, a little over 5 billion euro at the end of September Uh, V's £8.5 end of June. So they've brought down the debt, but obviously disposal's part of that story here. The uh, company says a further 5,000 jobs must be cut to address the coronavirus impact and long-term market developments. The group says it's uh, looking at various options for its steel unit and a decision is expected to be made in the spring of 2021. The group says uh, it, it expects sales to grow by low to mid single digit percentage range in 2020 to 21. All sorts of um, problems, obviously, for Thyssen at this point, And it's been a miserable year overall. The share price is down at nearly 60% on a year-to-date basis. They have been looking to the government for some financial assistance. But, Anetta, let's bring you into the conversation on this story, a company you know very well. At this point, it's not clear to me whether the government is willing to put its hand in its pocket and dig deep to support this business. What's your read on the numbers?
5: Well, the numbers look really bad, but we were warned, actually. There was an interview with Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung with the CEO of ThyssenKrupp, where she was already saying that cash flow will be a disaster for this year. So when now we're looking at free cash flow of minus 1.5 billion euro, which means that they're usually loss-making. That's mainly because of the loss-making uh, steel operation. So what they're saying now on steel is that they will make their mind up latest by spring. their are various options on the... Table, they're saying, and they're looking at at them. So uh, a decision to be made uh, in next spring. We know there's this offer from uh, Liberty Steel, uh, based in the UK, for uh, Trusson Steel, where they are promising even not to cut any jobs any further. Question is. Nobody really believes in that. and We had an interview uh, also with the Labour chief from ThyssenKrupp who who was saying that they're not really trusting in that offer. So there's a lot of opposition going on behind the scenes against that offer. And that could actually bring uh, the state in because clearly ThyssenKrupp is now arguing that it's because of the corona crisis that the steel business has so much deteriorated. And that could be an argument in favour of getting some equity stake from the rescue fund of the German government. What I have been hearing is that there are talks ongoing and there might also even be an application with the economy ministry already handed in by ThyssenKrupp. If you look through the number though it's actually astonishing. It's not only the steel business who is not doing well. We only have the industrial components business which has a positive result at 138 million euro. And then Uh, We also have um, the, no, we don't have anything else which is actually doing well. The material science has an adjusted operating loss. The automotive technology has an adjusted operating loss. And also plant technology has an uh, adjusted operating loss. They're also saying that they are actually looking at options for both of these units. So essentially, Tristan Krupp is looking at every single unit, whether it makes sense to actually sell them or not in order to get the business back into the uh, yeah, into positive numbers. So the question is, what's going to happen to steel and whether the German government will take a stake in the next couple of weeks or months? With that, back to you. Terrific,
0: Anetta. Thanks so much for that. And I think uh, interesting, I mean, you point out clearly there are lots more structural issues here for this business.
5: It sounds like a lot
3: of deal-making on the way, though, next year. Meantime, over a quarter of a million people have died from COVID-19 in the United States. Cases across the country have topped 11.5 million. Hospitalizations have surged, with an official in Minnesota warning more than 90% of intensive care beds are occupied in part of the state. The Coronavirus Task Force has warned the upcoming Thanksgiving holiday could add to community transmission. New York City is closing down its public schools today after the city reached a 3% test positivity rate over a seven-day average. Mayor Bill de Blasio tweeted that the school system will be closed out of an abundance of caution. Students will instead switch back to remote learning after just eight weeks of in-person instruction. So clearly a lot of disruption for those students at this point as authorities try to tame the virus. Now, as markets weighed up that news around the need for fresh restrictions and, and keep in mind what we're seeing around Minnesota, ordering of bars and restaurants to cease indoor dining. We've already seen that in Europe, and we were suggesting that if we saw an increased risk of the virus and problems with the health system, there may be measures that look a little bit European across the United States. That news not digested well by markets, as you can see. <coughs> Reversal right across the board, despite positive vaccine news. And don't forget Pfizer coming out on the heels of that Moderna report saying that it did have fairly good <coughs> excuse me effectiveness rates, 95% effective for the use of the vaccine so <clears throat> that news pushed to one side for the markets as they really focused on the restrictions that we're seeing and of course the lack of any fiscal spending to support the economy at this stage i'm going to switch over these charts and take a look at a couple of big stocks spies are of course on the move on the back of that news 0.77 percent higher so a bit of a bounce again for that stock zoom as we talk about more people staying at home again Sheltering at home and uh, using more remote services. Zoom has been one of the original COVID winners again, catching another bid in session yesterday. And Target, <clears throat> we've seen other trends that have taken place as well across the United States. People spending on things that they can, for instance, just stocking up on the home. Target's been one of those beneficiaries of uh, household goods, and home office supplies, and the stock reporting, as reported yesterday, the stock moving high by 2.3%. Treasuries, let's push on and take a look at what we've got on the bond market yields 0.85 percent the market closely eyeing any need for the fed to do more at this stage and that's keeping yields capped in a range a little bit lower than where they were heading back up to that one percent mark so investors are just noting that softness in the yield it's having implications for the dollar as well uh, that uh, showing just a, a little bit of a tug of war between the weakness on the yields but also some of the elevated risks that we're seeing around coronavirus if we can switch over those charts you can see the foreign exchange markets uh, sterling now weaker though this morning as we talk about increased risks and don't forget As there's increased fear, dollar does become somewhat of a safe haven. So sterling dollar this morning, 132.35, it's down by about a quarter of a percent. But we have moved fairly aggressively in recent sessions. There's been lots of reporting in the backdrop around any Brexit deal that may be forthcoming. So we've closely been watching this trade. Euro dollar 118.46 just drifting south this morning. Dollar is weaker versus the Japanese yen. And uh, dollar just climbing a fraction versus the yuan this morning. Steve.
2: Yeah, excellent, Karen. Thank you very much indeed. Just taking a quick look at the Dow. I mean, it's still within a whisper away of uh, 30,000 when, let's face it, and where were we now? Just at the start of this month, we were trading just under 27,000. So we have come a long way very quickly, despite yesterday's downtick. So JP Morgan uh, CEO Jamie Dimon has welcomed the vaccine breakthroughs, but does warn now is not the time to get complacent. Speaking at the New York Times Dealbook Conference, he said volatility poses uh, major
1: challenges. The word unprecedented is used properly for one of the rare times. You know, we had the biggest downturn ever in two months, the biggest upturn ever in three months. Uh, and we're kind of in this phase now. We don't really know what's going to continue to get better or get worse. And you know, God, thank God we have these vaccines coming. Thank God. So I think we what we should do as a matter of policies, we're still in the middle of COVID. We have to get through it. We need to help. We need fiscal stimulus. Now's the time to say, let's not, let's not act like it's over. Let's double down and get through COVID as best we can.
2: Now, one thing I'll just remind you before I do the next read is that volatility, just because Jamie Dimon got me thinking about this, is down 37% on the VIX measure this month. this month. Why is that? Was because people bought it before the election uh, and sold it off thereafter as well. So let's just come back to that in a few moments time. Mr. Diamond also said a stimulus package is needed now. He blasted lawmakers and their inability uh, to come to an agreement whilst the pandemic rages on.
1: I agree with not. I'm not worried. I'm just saying focus on the job at hand. We've got to get the vaccine out. We've got to get it right now. We've got to have, get people safer. And, we, you know, you, you're seeing a skyrocketing of COVID in just about every part of not just America, of the world. So we got to get through it. So I think it's a mistake to take our eye off that ball. And we need some of that fiscal stimulus. This is childish behavior on the part of our politicians. We need to help the citizens of America. And, you know, and let's just get through it.
2: So let's frame it in market terms. I've already said I think the market is only a whisper away from its uh, most recent highs as well. All the major indices were within 5% of these record levels as well. Volatility, I did take a look at it earlier this week. It was trading with a 22 handle as well on the VIX as well. Now 23.8. So we had a little bit of a blip on the day, 5% high on the day. But quite frankly, significantly lower than when we thought there were major risks for the market, okay? We can worry about the certification process of the election. We can worry about the recounts. We can worry about the court cases and what this means for the transition. But the fact of the matter is, by and large, investors are not taking out extreme volatility positions on the back of that. God knows what the Nasdaq whales are doing, but that's another story for another day as well. But what are the risks out there? Well, the risks, as Jamie Dimon quite clearly said, is that politicians, because of their partisanship or whatever it may well be, cannot get to some form of stimulus deal, which seems incredible given the fact at one point, I think we were just a few uh, $100 billion away from it, won't we? It's about 1.8 versus 2. Point something as well. So the politicians uh, need to get their act in order on that front. But also a worry for the market is what's happening about the Fed's ability to act as a bulwark for the market. Because, of course, the Fed, like others, have been saying we need stimulus uh, in terms of fiscal support as well. But in the meantime, we've got the back of the market. But very interesting story in the Financial Times today. Talking about 12 out of 13 of the emergency lending facilities are going to expire on December 31st. Now they haven't used all those facilities. There's a lot of firepower uh, at um, uh, at the disposal of the Federal Reserve. But that firepower may well disintegrate if we don't get a rolling over of these lending facilities uh, options for the Federal Reserve uh, by the 31st. And apparently it's the Treasury that needs to sign off on that. And at the moment, is there any sign of them doing that? So big questions for the markets.
0: Yeah, uh, I think there are an awful lot of other questions as well, Steve, that we could throw into the mix here because there was a terrific write up. uh, delivered for, from some of our colleagues in the States, just pointing out how many of the federal support programmes will also roll off at year end, like the um, rule at the moment that means that you get some foreclosure protection on your mortgage payments. And if a lot of those um, extra protections for consumers go away, then obviously we may start to see a more serious deterioration in household conditions. And you will have looked, uh, as, as Karen and I did at that U.S. housing starts number for October, which looked terrific on the face of it, you know, 4.9 percent month on month, an indication that since this was the highest number since 2007, there are still some parts of the consumer-led uh, US economy that are still doing OK at this point. But, of course, we know that that is only happening because of, because of the considerable assistance that is being supplied at this moment by federal authorities. And, of course, now we're in this really peculiar place where um, we are seeing the gloves come off over the transition programme. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like it is starting to get quite quite ugly here. So the market's got an awful lot to deal with. The, the politics around the transition, the issue of whether these federal supports roll off, and as you point out, some of the broader questions about volatility and federal aid.
3: I agree with you on some of those retail numbers, and you were pointing me to, to Sono shares too, when we saw the audio company doing particularly well as people were sort of bulking up on some of the electronics around the house, making sure home entertainment and home audio was working particularly well, and some of it, of course, useful work. But I think it's interesting you've seen some of this spending happen. Those that have the funds are spending it, trying to improve their well-being in the home where they can. Others, though, as we talk about these federal assistance programs rolling off, what comes ahead? And I can't help but wonder whether some of the numbers we've seen the market reaction to have been a little bit back with looking on that consumer spending pattern. So I think there are a few question marks there. When it comes to the stimulus, I think the market assumption has now had to change a little bit. You may recall coming into the election, we thought, well, we're going to get the stimulus at some point and perhaps this lame duck session now in the transition. This is when we finally see some accord, but it's just not taking place. And you can see the rhetoric from President Trump at this point and even you know, working on foreign policy with Iran, for instance, at this point, and not handing over documents to try and brief Biden and his incoming team, also not agreeing around a stimulus deal in the market market is now thinking, well, it's not going to be a story for 2020 getting the stimulus deal done. And how long will it take in 2021? In the meantime, we are losing momentum in the economy. We're seeing various parts having to shut down and these increased restrictions. That means we're going to see more job losses. So again, as we debate on the markets, how we get to A to B when the vaccine is rolled out, the market is incredibly concerned about swimming and all this dead water in between.
0: Yeah, it's funny how this um, rotation is benefiting some of those previously unloved parts, isn't mm-hmm. it? I was looking at the performance of the US retail ETF XRT. It's a new all time intraday high printed yesterday in spite of uh, some of the issues that we've been discussing here. Anyhow, uh, if you want to learn more about some of the best trading ideas from the major houses for 2021, uh, you can go to our website for that. We have information on UBS's big calls, uh, subscribe for access to insight from other industry leaders worldwide of course and cnbc pro true a terrific resource if you want to get access to a lot of these materials
3: coming up on the show whereas president trump refuses to concede i spoke with former top obama advisor valerie jarrett about what the last presidential transition was like
4: i was on that plane ride with them as we uh, left washington and i will say it was one of the more excruciating experiences of my life
3: Uh, mixed picture across the Asian region today, I want to take you to Tokyo stocks first up and you can see a drop of 90 plus points or about a third of a percent just drifting off a 29 year high that we've seen for the market. Tokyo has raised its pandemic alert to the highest level. This is uh, Japan reported a record number of new cases. So uh, the response for Tokyo stock market has been a weaker trade. Uh, Hong Kong also moving south today, but patches of green around China Two-tenths high for the Shanghai Composite. Australia also marching high with the Chinese stock market. The opening calls here in Europe as we get set up for the trading session. We are now looking weaker. Yesterday, this is how we started out as well. We saw some weakness in the early trade on Wednesday. The market then picking up on the Pfizer news about how effective the vaccine is for COVID-19. 95% effectiveness in the shots. And that news just encouraged the market higher. So we we translated from a weaker into a positive session by the close at gains of uh, roughly about half of a percent on the DAX and on the French market. But today it looks like we will revert back to some of that weakness on the markets as we open up for the trading session today.
0: President-elect Joe Biden has warned a lack of information from the General Services Administration could set his team back weeks or months in their efforts to curb the country's coronavirus outbreak. The GSA is tasked with providing incoming administrations with access to key intelligence and funds to facilitate presidential transitions. Biden explained the negative impact of the deadlock.
1: We've been unable to get access to the kinds of things we need to know about the depth of the stockpiles. We know there's not much at all. We get to the point where we have a sense of uh, when these vaccines comes out, how they'll be distributed, who'll be first in line, what the plan is, which unless it's made available soon, we're gonna be behind by weeks or months being able to put together the whole initiative relating to the biggest promise we have with two uh, drug companies coming along and finding 95% effectiveness efficiency in the vaccines, which is enormous promise.
3: A uh, big new book out on the market. If you're looking for some Christmas reading, Obama memoirs. Uh-huh. Have you uh, caught some of the clips, uh, some of the excerpts that have been released? Well, I,
0: I did. Uh, I did enjoy the line on Sarkozy.
5: Right. I have
0: to say. I mean, right. if if the rest of the book is going to be. Uh, just like that, then I might actually uh, break the habit of a lifetime and buy a political memoir.
3: Right. It's quite a long one. But one of the the big takeaway messages was at the beginning when uh, Barack Obama and the the First Lady left the White House, Mm. what the mood was like. And they were saying that, you know, they were drained physically, emotionally after such a long time in office. And of course, the the campaign that uh, had been waged as well and when they left it was just bittersweet because they'd seen the election of a man who was diametrically opposed to everything that they would stood for for the last eight years so there was just this very emotional feeling on the plane but i had that conversation yesterday with an insider as uh, the former top Obama advisor valerie jarrett has told cnbc that president trump's refusal to concede now and clear the way for the biden administration is putting the country in peril and jarrett uh, was uh, speaking to me as part of women's forum and I asked her what she remembers of the previous transition of power, and in particular, the moment on that plane.
4: Well, I was on that plane ride with them as we uh, left Washington, and I will say, it was one of the more excruciating experiences of my life to know that after eight years of working to try to make America better, stronger, safer, healthier, that the person who succeeded uh, President Obama intended to try to dismantle all of that progress. And I also think having been the first uh, black couple in the White House, the standard that they held themselves to was a very high standard. And so in Michelle Obama's memoir, she talks about crying on that plane ride, really just for a half an hour straight with the relief of that responsibility having come to an end and feeling that they comported themselves in a way that was honorable and, and um, role model for children all across America, if not the world, for what this first couple uh, that was of color did. And so I think uh, President Obama's reflection was right that the, there were many in this country that truly rebelled against his presidency simply because he was black. The Berkman movement that was fueled by President Trump questioned his legitimacy to even be president in the first place, first time ever a president's residency or birth uh, right to the presidency was questioned. And, and that's part of the challenge with being the first. However, I would say something else that troubled both of the Obamas in the last election was the fact in the 2016 election, was that 100 million Americans did not vote, and so that's why Michelle Obama launched an initiative called When We All Vote. I chair the board, and it's designed to change the culture in our country around voting in a nonpartisan way. And in this past election, we saw a huge uptick in the number of people voted, remarkably young people, which is really what gives me the sign a signal of hope. And so. Uh, President-elect Biden won by more votes than any other president in history. And uh, President Trump, although he lost, he garnered more votes. And so that's an indication of activism and civic engagement, which I think uh, bears well for the future of the United States. President Trump, though, is now refusing to concede, and over his tenure, we
3: saw constant attacks on institutions across America. Obama also warned
4: in his book that democracy is teetering on the brink of crisis. Do you share that concern? I certainly do, and I had the privilege of uh, being a co chair for the Obama Biden transition back in 2008. And I have to say that part of the reason we were able to hit the ground running in the midst of a crisis as well, you'll remember. The banks were on the verge of collapse. The automobile industry was literally in bankruptcy. We had two wars going on, a lot on our plate. And we were able to hit the ground running in large part because of the cooperation and support we received from President Bush. And we didn't agree with him on just about any possible policy. But the help and openness with his administration beginning the day after the election, allowing us into the agencies, getting briefings on everything from national security to the environment, to healthcare, you name it, they opened their doors for us. And President Bush, Laura Bush, the entire family could not have been more supportive. And in return, President Obama demanded that we do the same when President Trump was elected. And that is not happening now. And every day that goes by that there is this lack of cooperation, this unwillingness to face the reality of the outcome of the election, puts our country at peril. And as President-elect Biden said just yesterday, Americans may die because of this decision. You know, there's a difference between having a vaccine and vaccinating people. And the decisions that are being made by the Trump administration today will be implemented by the Biden administration. They should be privy to those conversations.
0: Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
3: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.